are going to wrap up this series that we've been doing called This Is Us. So today is a summary, pretty much, of what we've been going. Do you know how long we've been doing this for? Seven years. No one knows? Nine weeks? Before December? It's been four months. It's pretty full on. I didn't realize it was that long. But we've had a few uh, things in between. But yeah, it's been four months. And so today, yeah, I just want to summarize a little bit and kind of uh, just land it a little bit and what I feel God is saying in the overall picture of where we're going. So the whole thing really kind of started back in just before, uh, just before November last year. And it was right after we went into the expo, the psychic expo, and prayed for some people. And uh, during that time, I shared a testimony that most impacted me from that. And it was, it was actually just a conversation that I had with one of the, one of the other psychics who was just next to us, who's, who's been doing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But she, she has been doing it for, um, I think she said 38 years. She's been doing it, and it's, she does it full-time as a profession and travels all over Australia, basically working as a clairvoyant. And the conversation was, I asked her just the question, how do you find Perth versus all the other cities, so over east and that, and, and just how you operate? And it was interesting because she said that uh, she wasn't real sure how to, how to answer it, but basically, the way she said it is that the energy in Perth is thicker. It's, and, and she was trying to explain it in a way to try and make it sound like it wasn't a struggle for her. But you could tell throughout the whole conversation, she was saying that it is actually really hard to push through and actually hear what I'm supposed to hear for people. And it was hard to actually engage people and get people attracted and make money, pretty much. And it was quite a, um, I thought that was really cool in the sense that it means that it's getting harder for those guys to operate here. And I believe that one of the main reasons for it is because Christians and the church is increasing in Perth. It's on the rise and it's encouraging that. Um, I remember just after that, I went through uh, throughout the expos, because we've done nine now of the amount of clairvoyance and psychics that have been involved. In the first year, there was 22 that would be involved. And then this last year, there was only 11. So you see this decline. And I think that that's also the reason that people are finding it harder and harder to get work, to attract people, because more and more people are actually turning to the church and turning to God or something else other than New Age, spiritualism, tarot card readers, and all that kind of stuff which is an awesome thing. It means that we're doing something right. God is moving, and uh, the church is getting stronger. Do you know that there's more Christians now than there's ever been ever? And sometimes we can get thinking into this thing, oh, the, the things are so bad, the world is so bad, the church is getting smashed. But actually, there's more Christians, there's more churches now than ever before. So we're actually increasing in the world. Heaven is invading more than ever before. God is doing more stuff now than ever before. It's exciting, and we need to have that in, our, in the forefront of our minds, knowing that we're not on the losing team. We're actually winning. So it's good. And uh, 
as a reflection of all that, I, I, I had the thought of that came to me that as a church and as Freedom Life, that we should, again, just reinforce the idea of who we are and where we're going, that we're actually growing and that we're getting stronger. And so we began the journey four months ago with a scripture in Matthew 16. And uh, this is Jesus talking, and he asks his disciples, he says, who, do, who does everyone say that I am? Who does, who, what does the world think of me? And, and they answer him saying, well, some say that you're Elijah, some say that you're John the Baptist, others say that you're Jeremiah or another one of the prophets. So they all got these different ideas of who Jesus is. And, uh, but then he asks them, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon kind of steps up and says, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus replies to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it came from the fa your father in heaven. And uh, then he goes on and says that, that I tell you that you, Simon, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And so in this scripture we see Jesus is painting somewhat of, I think, a progressive picture um, of revelation that he's outlining. And so the first thing that he kind of that comes across is who is Jesus? We see the revelation of who Jesus is, that in a noisy, kind of uh, confused society that have all different opinions about who Jesus is, worldly view of who he is, because many people had all sorts, just like today. Many people have different ideas. Many religions have different ideas about who Jesus is. Yet uh, the real revelation needs to come from the Father in heaven, it needs to come from God. That's the only place where you're really going to understand. You can't look at Jesus from the world and know who he is. It has to be revelation in your spirit and in your heart. That's how you get saved. You don't get saved by hearing about it in your head and just deciding, oh, yeah, I agree with who Jesus is, and I think that that's a good idea. And because of what he promises me, I sign up and go, yep, I'm good with that because he's going to bless me. He's going to give me a ticket to heaven. And in your head, you think that, but actually, it's a decision in your heart. It needs to be revelation that comes into your heart, that you believe that he is God, that he is Jesus, no matter what. And that's where people say, like, oh, how do you know you're saved? And people go, oh, I know just because I know. I know, like in here, in my spirit, I know that I'm saved. It's not something up here. It's a heart issue. And so we need to know who Jesus really is, his true identity that is revealed from the Father. And uh, the second thing is knowing who Jesus truly is brings us into that place of discovering who we are, discovering what our identity is. Because you see how um, it's interesting that Jesus says to Simon, he says, you are the son of Jonah. Right? He refers to his worldly father. And then he goes on to say, but this has been revealed by your heavenly father. He gives him a new identity that isn't from the world, but a new identity that is from heaven. And it's the same that's true for us. We need to know our secure identity is in Jesus. It's in him. It's knowing it's from heaven. Because each one of us, our real self is from there. It's from heaven. We are no longer sinners, but we are saints. We are sons. We are daughters of the living God. We are in him. Our secure identity needs to be in him. So that's the second thing um, 
And you see that with Peter. He says, this is Simon. Simon meaning you're like a reed that is tossed in the wind. But uh, Peter means rock, means someone who's solid. He gives him a new identity. And uh, then he goes on to say, uh, knowing that who you are then positions us to be able to share in what God is building on the earth. He shows us what he is doing and invites us to be partakers in what he is building on the earth. Because there's only one thing that God is building on the earth, and that is his church. It's only one thing. You can't find anything else in scripture that he's doing other than building his church. Obviously, we are the church. It's his answer for the world. And so a church that's founded on Jesus, that operates out of a secure identity in him, it says that kind of church will never be overcome by the gates of hell. Imagine a church that is never overcome by the gates of hell. It is us already. We will never be overcome by the gates of hell. We already win. We're already on the front foot. Sometimes we can think that, that we're in the enemy's territory being robbed and plundered when actually we're advancing the kingdom. We're, we're moving into his ground. We're pushing him out um, completely to, to the point where heaven fully invades earth and all of hell is going to be gone, forced out forever. And uh, Ephesians 3 verse 10 is... Uh, is one of the verses that we've looked at quite a lot throughout this time. It says that his intent, talking God saying God's intent, is that now through the church, right, not through a few select few, not through the elite, not through the best Christians, the most holy good Christians, he says through the church, us collectively is the manifold, the many-faceted glory and wisdom of God is going to be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. So every church is built on this same kind of foundation, that is Jesus. Every church is built, every local church has the same mission where Jesus is the foundation and he is also the capstone. He is everything, and every local church has that same foundation. Although every local church also has its own unique personality. It has its own unique flavor, its own unique uh, DNA and culture, because it's made up of different people. Like us, we're made up of whole different people, and the dynamics that are created because we're all different and got different gifts, it makes us look and sound a certain way. And so every church is like that. The leadership of different local churches is going to, it's going to sound and feel and look different because everyone's got a unique personality. And it's good. It's important for that to happen because God is humongous, right? His personality is huge, and so it requires different cuts of different flavors in order to display the many-faceted brilliance of who he is and his divine nature. So it's incredibly important that we are different like that. And so going on from that, we've, we've got, uh, we went through these, you might see on your seat, I've printed off these, which is just a, a kind of like a map of just the values, the nine, I've written down the nine identifying pillars of this house, the nine cultural values that help us define who we are, 
and what we're all about as a local church. And so I just wanted to give you guys this, because this is, I, to me, I think it's helpful to know this is who we are. It's just a snapshot, an overall bird's eye view. This is what we're about. This is kind of where we're heading and what we're, where we're going. It's important for all of us to know, I think. I know I'm covering stuff that we've already gone over quite a bit, but you know, Paul says in, I think it's in Philippians 3, he says, it, he says, oh, do I remember off the top of my head? He talks about, it's, it's paraphrasing, it doesn't bother him to repeat the same thing over and over and over again because it's a safeguard for us. It actually keeps us in a place of safety to know these things so thoroughly that when something else comes against us, it, we're not shaken by it because we know who we are, where we stand, we're secure in our identity and where we're going. Amen? So I just want to read these out, and uh, you can follow along. First one, we believe in being a church of grace where everyone understands they are unconditionally loved, forgiven, accepted, cleansed, justified, and made right with God once and for all time. This is not because of our own human efforts, but by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. We are also church, believe in a church of glory. It's God's intent that it was through the church, the weighty, tangible brilliance of his nature, personality would be expressed on the earth. A church that operates in miracles, in signs and wonders, and in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. We believe in a church that would of guts, with guts, that never back down, even in the face of the worst storm. That the grace of God produces such tremendous courage and empowers us to joyfully live with tenacity, with patience and endurance in the toughest of situations. We believe in a church who gather. The local church is God's greenhouse, an environment designed to help people discover who God is and the purpose he has for every unique individual. I just want to stop. Remember, we, some of you would have heard when we talked about how Paul the Apostle, uh, it wasn't until he came into a community where actually he began to flourish and begin to walk in what he was called to do. Because before that time, he was out in, in hiding for 10 years before Barnabas went and got him and brought him back, back into a church. And it wasn't until he was back into that place in, of community in a local church where he actually began to discover who he really was. And so the importance of gathering together is huge because every single person needs to know purpose. They need to know meaning. They need to know responsibility. Otherwise, they're going to feel very unfulfilled and unsatisfied throughout their life. And the best way to do that is to come into the greenhouse of God and discover really who you are. It doesn't mean that you have to operate and minister necessarily from a platform in the church, but through the community, you understand your place, who God is in you, and he begins to reveal in you what you need to do in the world. Right? Amen. So... We believe in gathering together to build loving and honoring and healing community where everyone can freely access the life of God. And I also just remembered that I, I said that the church is the new covenant uh, Garden of Eden, 
where God plants his tree of life, bang, smack in the middle of the community so that everyone can come in and actually experience the pleasures and the goodness of God and eat from his life. So it's just a lot to write in a small place (laughs) and summarize in that thing. A church who go. So Jesus has commissioned the church with an important task to go into all the world and to preach the good news about God's unmerited grace, to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to freely give as you have freely received. Our mandate is to break free from the confines of the four walls and show who Jesus is everywhere that we go. We believe in a church who grow. We are God's garden, and his desire for us is to be healthy and fruitful in everything that we do. We believe in growing our roots down into his unconditional love, growing up into maturity where we look and sound just like Jesus and growing out with free from all fear to be able to reach the world around us and growing with each other in strong unity and strong um, relationships. We believe in a church who give, which we looked at last week, that every good and perfect gift comes down from God. It comes from the Father of lights who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for us. And as partakers in his divine persona and his divine nature, a generous spirit is intrinsic to our nature and we begin to give because he first gave. We believe in a church of servant-hearted people who joyfully give to God and give to others. We also believe in a church of government We believe in godly order that promotes spontaneous life, uh, not religious dogma or dead tradition, a church with servant-hearted leaders who lead by example and work to release people into freedom rather than condemn and control. And I remember uh, giving the illustration again of the greenhouse, that divine order and and, uh, leadership and and the things that we put in, in place is like a framework. It's the structure of a greenhouse which is designed to promote natural organic growth in the middle. So you, you have both working simultaneously. Like you have so many, so many uh, examples in scripture where you've got the spirit being like water, but then you've also got the temple which is a solid cube, perfect structure. And there's a lot, and how the, the uh, river of life flows out of that place, out of a solid structure. So you've got both, the divine uh, framework and structure of God and then also the spirit. Uh, We also finally believe in a church of generations, that God loves family. The glory of God was never meant to fade but increase and become stronger on the earth and that true revival is not about just living for now but to live for the sake of our children's children, our ceiling becoming the floor for the next generation. So we believe in a church of all ages and for all people groups. So this is us. This is who we are. This is what we believe. And uh, I'm sure that most of you would, all of you agree with, with that and are on board. So I hope that kind of puts a, some handles to uh, what it is that we're doing here. And I, don't, I really don't believe it's any accident that you are here that uh, in this moment right now in your life, you're meant to be here. 
that God has put you here, and we're here together as a united, as a united body to pioneer something that God is doing in the city, to be a church full of grace and full of glory and push into things that we've never seen before. I've just got a picture here. Hopefully it will work. There it is. Have you seen this picture before? It's quite a famous picture. I was praying last week, just preparing, and uh, this picture came to mind, which I've seen years and years ago. And uh, it's quite a famous one. Uh, obviously, it's pretty spectacular in that you've got the wave coming in and smashing against the, the lighthouse. But the thing that made it go viral is the fact that you can see there's a little man just outside the door while that's going on. And uh, so when I, was, when I was just thinking about it, I felt God say to me that we're actually coming into a time and for us as a local church, but I feel like this is a broader thing that's going to happen actually across the city where multiple churches are going to feel this and begin to see a wave of the Holy Spirit begin to come and crashing in on us and it's going to be like spectacular. It's going to be wild. It's going to be loud. It's going to be uh, windy. It's going to be a little bit scary. and We're going to see some manifestations of the Spirit like we have in the past, but just even more so where you see people falling over, people laughing. You might be going, what the heck's going on? Uh, but also just other things which you've seen in the past where you see like things like uh, signs and wonders like gold dust, people finding gems, people finding feathers, angels showing up, people seeing some supernatural things where people are in the world are encountering, encountering the supernatural and wondering what the heck's going on. People getting gold teeth. Um, oil flowing out of people, but then also people being healed, people being radically touched internally by the, by uh, just through just quiet contemplation, having revelation of Jesus, just having dreams of Him coming and walking into their room. Um, I'm going to, I believe that there's going to be an increase of this kind of stuff happening across all the churches, Perth wide, and what God's looking for is in that time, it's going to be crashing in but he's looking for churches that are going to be standing up as beacons of light specifically to be able to be there and give understanding, clarification, and explanation to what's going on. And he's also looking for uh, individuals in those places who are not scared and are inside the four walls while this is all going on, hoping that people are going to come in and go, yep, I want this. But actually, he's looking for individuals who step outside in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, who are fearlessly partnering with the Holy Spirit in that place, just like that little dude. Amen? So I believe this is something that God is wanting to do, and he's wanting people, he, he requires a church who know who they are. He's, it requires a people who are secure, because some crazy stuff can happen, and people can question and go, what the heck is that? That guy looks stupid. I don't want to do that. And then it's understanding deep down that it's not about what it looks like. It's God. It's understanding that God is in this and that he is very real and he is not after you embarrassing you or anything like that. What he wants is your heart. And so it's going to require people who have got some understanding and can shed light on the situations and be able to biblically give good uh, interpretations. Does that make sense? 
So the, the title, I had the title for this whole day, and this is where it really wraps it all up, uh, like a month or so ago. And God gave me the title, and it's just one word, and it's resolution. And uh, I just felt that he was saying that today is a day of resolution. And, and to be resolute means to have a firm determination. It means to be unwavering. It means to be purposeful and to give yourself fully to something. It means to uh, you've decided in your heart to do something and nothing is going to stand in your way. It's basically this is what I'm going to live for. So that's being resolved, it's to be resolute, it's a resolution. We talk about a new, new year's resolution, which is we flippantly say things because it's, it's a bad example because generally we never do what we, what we say that we're going to do. But to be resolved means that nothing is going to stop you from doing this. It means to be so determined and fixed on it. Um, but the second part of resolution is that it's a word that is also used to describe the quality of vision. It's, it's a word that can be interchangeably used with definition in that you see a HD or high-definition TV screen. You can also say as a high-resolution TV screen. It, it's describing the clarity and the definition of the image that you can see or that it's in focus or the tiny little pixels and that high-resolution the crisper and sharper it's going to be. So what I take away from that is that I'm convinced that the greater your resolve, the greater the clarity you're going to have in your vision and your purpose. And so it's important to make firm decisions about being secure in who you are and where you're going. Amen? And so today I felt God say pretty much that it's almost like a sounding of a fresh trumpet call uh, about the announcement that we're about to go almost like on a new adventure and that there is uh, a call for fresh commitment to who he is and what he is doing. That he is building something and he is asking us, going God, and looking for us to say, God, I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to partner with what you're doing here on the earth and I'm going to be resolved in it. Amen. And so that's, that's, that word was really, it's been ringing in my ears for that, the last month. Just resolution, just to be resolved and just be, this is who I am. This is where I'm going. This is what I believe. And no one's going to convince me out of it because I know it in my heart. So I thought today the best way to kind of respond to this is pretty much just to, for us to take communion together and then just bless each other and pray for one another. And then... As you do it, just in your heart, just commit yourself again to God. It's not you getting saved again, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying a deeper decision to go, God, I want to be in partnership with you in everything that's happening in what you're doing on the earth. Amen? <coughs> so I invite everyone to take a part. In it. I think pretty much is all right. But simply I just explain that Communion is not some weird cultish thing that we do as some funny practice. It's simply taking what Jesus said. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Take this cup, which represents uh, the shedding of his blood, that his spilt blood for our forgiveness of sins, and then 
take the bread, which represents my body that was broken, that was beaten for your healing. And so as you do it, it's just remembering what he did. It's a simple way of just going, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me, that you've forgiven me, and that you heal me of all my diseases and everything that causes me uh, to suffer. <laughs> so is that cool? So we've got some stuff here. Um, do you want to be handed out? And then maybe if you could break into, say, groups of like five and uh, then just pray for one another. If there's any sort of um, specific things that you might need prayer for, you can mention it to the group and then we can pray for that as well. Resolution, having a resolve. I mean, it means a couple of things, but having a resolve to just persevere, endure, not give up. Making that definite decision. In Acts 27, you see the story where um, Paul is sailing to Rome. He's on a ship and uh, they hit this. First, they, they, I mean, they're running out of food. Uh, people are getting angry, um, disgruntled. A storm comes along. They want to throw Paul over the side because they're blaming him. They think it's all his fault. And uh, it's a whole lot of stuff that's going on that isn't particularly encouraging. And when you look at what, it, what the, the lead up to that, Paul's been arrested, been accused of a whole lot of stuff. He's going to be sent to Rome. Um, likely that he's going to be executed. You think, what else can go wrong? Then they're on a ship starving. Then they have a storm that actually shipwrecks the boat. They end up on this on the beach of an island. And uh, Paul goes to get some wood. People get some wood. They, uh, as, as they're lighting a fire, a snake comes out and bites Paul. Um, it's like, what else can go wrong? You know? And yet through it all, Paul has this resolve. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to kick and shout and scream. You know, I'm not going to spit the dummy. I'm just going to keep trusting in God. And what should have killed him didn't. The shipwreck should have killed him didn't. In fact, he said to everybody, don't worry because God's going to save all of us. And not one single person died. He gets bitten by a snake, should have died, but he doesn't because God protects him. And then, then he, he, he hears about um, a guy in a village, whose father, I think it's his father is really sick, or a relation is really sick and dying. And so Paul gets asked to go there and pray for this person, and the person gets radically healed. After all this junk that's happened to Paul, he says, no, nah, I'm resolved to still minister the life of God wherever I go. And the whole village gets changed. That whole town gets changed because Paul just wouldn't give up. He just kept persevering. And history shows us that actually a church ends up getting planted on that, church, on, on that island that changes the whole island because one man says, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I have a resolve. 
I know what I'm called to. These things that Luke's been taking us through in these last few months, that's what we've been called to. But it does require a resolve to say, yeah, I'm sticking with that because they are values that, are, that we're not going to compromise on at all. Amen? So well done, Luke. It's great. Please keep those things. Stick them on your fridge. Have them in your office, wherever. There's a few spares around, so um, grab them. Collect them up. We don't, want to, we don't want them to go to waste. And we'll have them available for other people as they come in. All right, great. Bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday night.